when I tore my ACL, that was the best thing that happened to me. It was the worst. It was the worst thing for my dad, but it was the best thing for me. Welcome to Beyond the Ball Podcast. What's going on, family? Welcome to Beyond the Ball. I'm your host, Jonathan Jones, and on this show, we focus on helping student-athletes succeed beyond their degree, and the best way I think we can make that happen is by showing you people who are beyond where you are or even where you might have aspirations to go. So, man, we, we have the man, the myth, and the, the legend in the building. I'm, I'm going to let you, because I, I want to I hear, how do you introduce yourself, Dr. Jake, Taylor Jacob? How do you introduce yourself? Uh, I introduce myself... Uh, it depends on the environment. Sometimes okay. I come in hot. Sometimes <laughs> I come in soft. So today I'll just say um, I'm here to uh, show athletes that you can become a multimillionaire after ball when it's when it's said to tie it up. Okay. Okay. So okay. Let, let me let me give you a proper introduction. So I'm I'm gonna call you just. Uh, wait. <laughs> Well, I mean, business, business okay. mogul. We'll give okay. you business mogul, right? Okay. Business mogul. Uh, and when it comes to private banking, you're, you're, you're the face that I know for private banking. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to put that there. I know you have so yeah. many other ways, but I just want to wanna start there. Okay. And then, and then we, we're going to see where this thing goes. Okay. Because you, 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 education is not something new to you. Like, educating people is not, not new to you. Yeah, yeah. Since 2012. Okay, I actually got licensed to teach education. I, yeah. Okay. So talk talk a little bit that, about that. How do you go from being a a teacher, a licensed yeah. teacher, right, where you're you're in the classroom, you're yep. you know you pouring into people's kids day in and day out, and yep. and it can be exhausting. Yep. But then to, we'll, we'll talk talk about that for a little bit because <laughs> okay. you were licensed teacher, but you were making six figures. Mm-hmm. Talk. I, I I did my research. Doc. Mm-hmm. I know you like receipts. I did my research. Okay. Talk, talk to us, man. Talk so, to. Just start there. So in short, um, I became an educator by happenstance. So when I left, um, when I got kicked out of Wiley College, I got kicked out. Uh, I got kicked out of Wayland Baptist University. Okay. I was the first um, black captain uh, at this university. And I got a young lady pregnant that was not of our, it was said I got a young lady pregnant that was not of our complexion. Huh, okay. They didn't like that. So they put pressure on the head coach to uh, cut me, only to find out that the baby was not mine. Mm. They tried to bring me back, but no, I understand how y'all feel about me now. You just wanted me to shut up and hoop. And I um, got offered a scholarship um, to finish my last year of college at Wiley College. And um, it's HBCU in Marshall, Texas. Absolutely love Wiley College. Um, and this was the first college, one, that showed me that they were not impressed with what I could do on a basketball court. They wanted to know what I could do outside of basketball because nobody from Wiley College was going to go play pro ball. Mm. Like, that, that, that was just like... A historical fact. <laughs> Ain't nobody going to go hoop from Wiley College, okay? This was a liberal arts school, okay? So uh, when I got there, I was going to school for sports management. I figured that once I finished playing basketball, that I would, like, try to teach athletes how to maximize their careers and how to grow in business-wise. So I always wanted to kind of be in some type of, like, advisory role in some form or fashion. But when I went to Wiley College, they didn't have that degree now. Mm. So I had two choices. I could have continued business and take two more years to finish, 
or I could just roll over to find a physical education and I can graduate on time. So what do you think I did? <laughs> I went over to physical education with a minor in English. Okay. And so we did that. Um, and then at Wiley College, it was, a, it was two people that changed my life. One was the dean of education at the time. His name was Dr. Mims. He ended up like adopting me as his like godson. Mm -hmm. And then another young lady who was head of um, uh, general education, her name was Dr. Ajenga. Dr. Ajenga was the first person that told me, you're bigger than this game that you're playing. Wow. You can play at the level of the kids at Harvard. That was the first time in my life I ever heard anyone told me I had Harvard level type of anything, okay? Mm -hmm. um, and then Dr. Mims exposed me, uh, he took us to New York and he exposed me to like higher level education, like, like superintendents and government and policies. So I began to start seeing education in a different light than most people typically would have. Um, and then I was challenged to start different organizations on campus. So I started an organization on campus called Financial Literacy Organization of Wiley College with um, Mr. McLemore, who was head of financial, uh, uh, financial um, aid. Mm -hmm. So it was him and then the head of business. So imagine this. Mm -hmm. This education student is the only kid in education that's technically in physical education that's leading a business school organization called Financial Literacy Organization of Wiley College. Mm. It's crazy. That's wild. It's crazy. So long story short, we got funded by Capital One. Um, I, my, my first ever speaking engagement was at an international business conference with over 600 um, institutions from over 30 countries that was at this institutional like conference that was in Dallas, Texas. No, no crazy. Um, and I killed it. And that was the first time I realized, wait a minute, I think I could like do something with, I like this mm -hmm. other than school. But when you graduate, you end up in school. And then I was on a fast track to become a superintendent. I got accepted into Johns Hopkins University for organizational management, leadership management. Um, and uh, from there, I, I think I spent like a semester there and I cut it off because I, I wanted to leave the traditional form of education. But at the time, I still wanted to get into entrepreneurship, business, finance, education, some form of fashion. I just didn't know how to enter into it. Okay. And so I started off teaching at Lancaster Middle School, um, and I negotiated my contract. My first contract was $56,000 as a first-year teacher with a $33,000 um, nonprofit stipend, which took me to like 85000 or 90000 whatever that number is. And then the difference was I started teaching teachers how to start a nonprofit to find money in the, in the same district to be able to make. So they got me to like 103000 a year my first year out of college as a teacher. And that's when I realized I'm at 103000 a year, my first year teaching, and the superintendent of Lancaster was only making like 150, 160. Mm. So I'm looking at my ceiling like, <laughs> I'm going to be stuck. <laughs> Ain't no money here. And so that's, that's kind of what got me to start looking for how can I get and teach finance, business, and education and go affect the parents because mm -hmm. these students that were changing their lives, they still got to go home to their same environments wow. where the, the parents aren't educated and they only think that the only way you can succeed is through sports. How can I affect the kids more if I touch the parents? If I can change the parents, then I know for a fact I can change the children. Mm -hmm. 
And so I started kind of just putting it into the ethos. I was looking for something, reading books, all the stuff I could. And I ran into a guy by the name of Tony Stevens Sr. Um, he was in Primerica, and he still is in Primerica. He's in the Hall of Fame of Primerica. He's, he's the most impactful mentor that I've ever had in my entire life. He taught me how to juggle business, education, finance, and God at the same time without compromising yourself. And that was kind of my transition into the financial sector through, the, uh, through Tony Stevens Sr. recruiting me at a Starbucks. At a Starbucks in Mesquite, Texas. <laughs> wow. wow. 2015. Man. I'm just I'm just processing I'm just processing through what like all that you just dropped going back to what you said about the teaching part right you said you came in with fifty six thousand right as a teacher yep. but then the, the I'm, I'm still caught up on the on the nonprofit side so so a nonprofit funded you or no, how did it was my nonprofit uh, <laughs> see listen Wait, dog you come you, on come on come it's on called I, it's called I I overcome Inc. It's, okay. it's no longer active right now, but if anybody were to go to do the research in Texas, find I Overcome Inc. that was started in 2014, mm. you will find my name on them papers. The reason being is because you get what you negotiate. And so I only was looking, when I was come see, a lot of people talk about college don't work, and it's because they didn't work college. Mm. And those are the same people, most of them, and a a lot of us like to make the exception the rule. So you have people that didn't finish college that became amazing, and we make that exception the rule. Mm. And that's not the rule. The standard is you get what you put in. And so when I was in college, bro, uh, I was uh, uh, a mirror. Go to my office and go get my mega sci-fi uh, athlete uh, 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 education whatever thing. He about to go get the plaque. Because, you know, okay. we like receipts around yeah, here. Yeah, we like receipts. We so, like receipts. In college, bro, I had a, I had a three, I graduated a 3.9 GPA. 3.9, bro. I was top in my class. And when I was top, I didn't just depend on education. I studied, I did the work, I did everything. Go ahead, go ahead and get my medal too, if you can see my medal. This is the Founders Award. Omega Sci-Fi Found. You have to be a top scholar to get this award. Bro, I, bro, I've been the best. Okay? So when I'm when I'm looking. Um, my grandfather always taught me, he said, don't go where you want to go. Go where you need it. You make more money there. Hmm. And so a lot of people want to go for who give you the job. I was trying to find the places the, the teachers were running from. Hmm. And so Lancaster ISD, they had one middle school and everybody was complaining about Lancaster middle school children because they were bad, <laughs> presumably. Uh-huh. But because I was a part of Omega Sci-Fi, because we dealt with the hard children, because we was already in the community, because I knew how to connect, and because I felt like I had a little swag, a little suave to be able to turn some stuff around, uh, uh, Mr. Roosevelt came to Wiley College. I was in practice hooping. They sent somebody to come get me out of practice to come talk to Mr. Roosevelt. I smell like ASS. Can I cuss on here? <laughs> you can. I smell like ass, okay? <laughs> You see the metal anywhere? I smell like ass, okay? And so I'm in there. I said, Mr. Roosevelt, I know I smell, but let me tell you, I'm the best stinking smelling person you ever met. He starts smiling. I knew for a fact right then. I got him. And so from there, Jay, um, I'm, so he stand, I'm standing in the middle. 
all of my advisors, the business advisors, so education advisors and business advisors, thank you, that's all I need, and business advisors were literally circling me. And Mr. Roosevelt was in the middle. I'm in the middle. I know I stink, okay? <laughs> so I'm conscious of my stinking, but I know I want to make it short so ain't nobody come up on me. So I said, yo, not only am I the best hire that you ever had, but I have something that can absolutely change your district starting with your middle school, and I spit him out all the facts about his school mm. that he didn't even know. Mm. So how can you not hire somebody like that? And I said, listen, I'll come to your district, but I need you all to get me a grant for my nonprofit. He said, does your nonprofit have history of work? And I said, yes. The problem that people had in college is you waited till somebody told you to do something to do something. When I started my nonprofit, I attached my nonprofit with everything I did with every organization I was with inside the school. So my nonprofit had history uh-huh. of all the stuff that I was doing. I was in representation of my nonprofit. I was not in representation of the school. So when I was able to work the deal, uh, 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 Mr. Roosevelt asked me, he said, do you already have somebody that's in staff? that can actually facilitate your initiatives while you're still teaching. Of course I did, but of course I didn't. (laughs) I told him I did, I didn't. So I got my best friend at the time, my school best friend, Delton Doxy. He ran the nonprofit at the uh, alternative school while I was teaching in the city of Lancaster. That's how I was able to do it, being two places at one time. Yes, sir. And this right here is the Presidential Medal of Honor. It's only given to one person when you graduate from a university in 2013-2014 Wiley College Presidential Medal of Honor. That's your boy. That's there. Yeah. It gives to the top scholar. That's to the top scholar, Doc. So so, so when I I tell people, like, you can't just assume the best. You got to be the best. And it's it's in your body. Man. And you you get what you negotiate, Jay. I got you. So, So talking this be the best, I know you speak very highly of your mother, and you said that she's the one who always pushed you to that, like, you got to be the best, got to be the... Like, when was this initially instilled in you? So I was blessed with two moms. I have a bonus daddy and a bonus mama. I'm not... I don't come from the vein of my mama left me, my daddy left me. I was blessed with the best of both worlds, Mm. okay? So my biological mother, she didn't raise me. My father did. But my biological mother, she was the hustler took nothing from, from nobody, would quit a job if it didn't fit her, maybe too soon sometimes. But she was the one who made something of herself despite having two children at a young age, being in the Kojic uh, 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 ministries and all that other stuff. And she was cast out from the church, but she still knew her children would be somebody. And so every time I saw her, for the little time that I did, she told me I was great. She told me I was going to be something. She told me I was not a victim of my circumstance. I was a victor, not a victim. Those were the things she implanted in me. And then my bonus mama, my mama Courtney, now that's my baby. She raised me. She taught me education. She taught me how to think. She taught me how to have discipline. So I had the best of both worlds. Somebody told me I can be amazing while somebody else told me I needed education and a base of knowledge to be amazing. Mm-hmm. So I had the dichotomy of two moms that were separate that made a whole me. That's what changed my life. And when I made a promise to my moms I would take care of them, it wasn't when basketball ended. It was I was going to take care of them because that's the promise I made because my father and my grandfather taught me how to be a man of my word. So, you know, you have this thing where not any one parent can give 
can get that much credit because each of them had a strong, significant, you know, a piece of who you're seeing today. I am the combination of my parents and grandparents. What you're looking at, bro, you're looking at my history combined. I am the best version of them because they made me that way. I'm not me because of me. Man. I love it, man. I love it. I love it. I love it. So you said went so so you said you wanted to well you told them you're going to take care of them and this wasn't dependent upon when basketball ended. Just talk a little bit about that cuz I haven't heard you talk too much about that. Yeah. I know you yeah, yeah. I know you got the opportunity to, you know, to get the contract in Lebanon, but just yeah. talk a little bit about Boy, you that boy, that boy, that boy this <laughs> he's searching. That boy doing that, that receipt search. Okay, so what was, I'm sorry, you impressed me. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, yeah, okay, so rewind the clock back okay. so, to where when, 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 when you, were, you were competing in basketball, right, then you get the opportunity to go overseas. But, okay. like, when, when does it come to where we put the ball down and we pick up the business? Good. Well, you already been in the business yeah. bag. But. So, so um, I grew up around business, mm -hmm. okay? I w I'm naturally apt for business. I'm bred for business. Um, the, the deal is that basketball was my daddy's dream. Mm. And my daddy is my superhero. Okay? And I say daddy as a grown man. Because that's my superhero. Yeah. That's my guy. Like, my father is my first love of my life because of what he sacrificed and who he was to me. Um, and my father sacrificed an overseas contract to, to be here in mm. the United States to raise his child because he never had a father. Wow. And so um, when I look at that, I wanted, to, I wanted to be that for my daddy. Like, I want, I'm telling you, man, I, I wanted to go pro. I wanted to do those things, but I was never as passionate as my dad was for me to become great as I knew I had. Bro, I was making 4000 a month selling candy in high school. <laughs> in four different high schools. I had 30 to 40 staff in high school. And most people thought I was a square and nobody. That was fine. As long as the cool people and the thugs were selling my candy, I didn't care nothing <laughs> about what you thought of me. Okay? Hand me my cheese. I couldn't beat you up, but I was hoping that the money we was making together was enough for us to stay in business together. Just keep it in the buck. So... So, so, um, so with my dad, I, I devoted my game, you know, for my dad. And I had, an, I had a, a, a big brother of mine. His name was Earl Rooks. He's one of the top trainers still today. You know, know Earl? I know Earl. Yeah. I know one Earl. One of the top trainers today in the DFW. One's, uh, one of the, uh, the, the, the best AAU teams. In the, bro, I was, his first, I was his first star he made. I'm wow. one of the Earl Rooks stars. Wow. We can, well, we, you know, we FaceTime and call him after. I'm telling you, I'm one of his first stars. And um, Earl used to pick me up, come pull me, pick me up, train me, do all that stuff. And um, when I tore my ACL, that was the best thing that happened to me. It was the worst, it was the worst thing for my dad, but it was the best thing for me. Because at Wiley College, they said there would be no pro scouts that came. The day I tore my ACL, I had five pro scouts at my game. Told my ACL, my dad came down. The second time in my life I ever seen him cry. He was crying, saying, son, you got to get up. I said, why, mm. dad? Like, I, I know something's wrong. I felt a fire come through mm. my body. He said, son, you got to get up. There's pro scouts here. I'm sitting next to one. And so I stood up. You know, I'm trying to, like, do But when you tear your ACL, that's the thing that keeps your knee from going inward and outward. 
It's, it's that middle one. And so when I try, I said, I think I'm good because laterally I can move. But moving and stopping, it was my knee would do this. And if there's no ACL, there's nothing to stop your knee. So my knee did like this. I said, Daddy, I'm done. His tears came down my dad's eyes. He went back to his seat. He saw the scout scratch my name out. I'm looking in the stands. My dad got tears in his eyes. I didn't know what it meant. But it was because he like, yo, like, I saw them scratch your name out. That did something to me. Uh, um, Coach Payne at Wiley College told me, he apologized, and he said, yo, I know I told you when you first came here, it's pain ball. Uh, you know, ain't no scouts coming. He said, you proved me wrong. Like, you had, like, it was scouts here. To see you hoop in Marshall, Texas at an NAIA school. Not D1. That's why I tell people, Jay, if you the best they will come and find you. Mm. So I told my ACL, and in that moment, I was like, I got to get back. It wasn't to play ball for me. I said, I got to get back because I don't want to let my daddy down. Bro, I wore these pants for a purpose so I could show you this here. Do you see them scars? I see it. That's ACL tear. That's, those are ACL incisions, bro. Mm. I tore my ACL. And so um, in coming back, Dr. Ajanga pulled me to the side. She said, this is the moment you have to prove to yourself if you're more than basketball. And in that moment, I became chief of staff of the SGA. I founded the Young Men, a Young Males Mentorship Association on college. I, I became the, uh, the, uh, the president of my, uh, um, of my fraternity at my chapter. Then I, you know, then I started the financial literacy organization at Wiley College. Then I began to see I can get the same notoriety mm. and the same value from my mind. My body is finite, but my mind is the last to go. If I can, if I can get 10,000, that's what Lebanon offered me, 10,000 a month from my mind, I don't have to lie about my ACL tear like my agent wanted me to do. Mm. I can be authentically myself and make money from my mind? You crazy. So that's how that happened. And my daddy didn't talk to me for a year and a half, two years. Yeah, he didn't talk to me. He talked to me now. How, how did y'all remedy that, though? Like, because, I mean, especially just like what you said, with you having that love for him and then that taking place to where, you know, it's a traumatic event for him more so than for you, right? And span of two years, how do we, we remedy that? Um, we didn't. I knew I, my daddy says I'm from the show me state. We got a mantra that we say, Jacobs don't lose, but if we do lose, we learn so that we never lose again. And so to me, my dad saw I lost. We lost. You made it. You went to the, he sent me to the best surgeon. I got, bro, who did my surgery was Dr. Meister. At the time, he was, I don't know if he still is, he was the head surgeon of the Rangers. My dad didn't have, bro. The school said, we can afford this doctor. My, my daddy said, we going to Dr. Meister. I'll figure it out. So he was going to get me back on that court. Not Ten months later, I'm playing in Inglewood at a pro combine. Um, it was the White Cox and Lions Sports Agency. They put on a pro combine. Top athletes. I was the only NAIA player there. Number one point guard, top five guard there. I got offered to go play in Lebanon, 10000 a month. My daddy told me, forget school, they'll expedite your stuff, go now. I said, Dad, they want me to lie about my ACL. You told me to be a man of integrity. My dad was like, take the money. 
that's when I knew my daddy was more focused on the money piece than he actually was what he taught me at the time. Nothing against my dad, but I get it. Son, go get the money. You don't know how long the money going to be there. Mm-hmm. 10000 a month sounds a lot to somebody that never made 10000 in a day. So I get it. But I also was taught by my grandfather, which was my bonus mama's father. He, I wasn't even his bloodline. But he took care of me like I was his blood grandchild. Mm-hmm. And I saw he was taking care of everybody in my family from his mind, not his body. And for the first time in my life, I had validation from my mind, not my body. Ain't no way. So I, you know, I was okay with dealing with a short term of my daddy being upset at me. But my biological name is Taylor Jacobs. They used to call me Jake, which is short for Jacobs. Jake for Jacobs. They call my dad Jake Sr. and me Jake Jr. The reason why I go by Jake Taylor Jacobs is to always remember that I put my last name before my first name and after my first name as a reminder that, you know what, I'm representing my family. So I did that. When I made that, I said, I'm going to make my dad proud. I promised them I was going to pay off their house. When I pay off their house, he going to know. Yeah. So I paid off his house. I retired my dad. I retired my family. Both sides. I made it to the league, just in a different way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man. Okay. Okay. So now I, I, I want to I ask you, as, as we're talking about being able to position oneself from their mind, right? Being able to position and provide from their mind. And, you know, we're beyond the ball. We're, we're talking to student athletes. So, so let's talk to the athlete yeah. that is in a position that has a lot of eyes. Yeah. But they don't have have the product. Yep. Right. What? How, how would you advise them into leveraging? Of course, this is not business yeah. advice. This is all you know. This is this is a conversation. Yep. But how would you advise them to begin to strategize how they can position themselves before? I got you. You know they got to put. So the um, and I'm gonna say this. This has nothing to do with Jay, or his podcast. This is business advice from Bizco. Okay. <laughs> I will give you that. Now this is what I would tell you. Actually, top level athletes are geniuses. Hmm. You got to think about it, bro. The ability to move at a fast pace, judge the movement of your defendant, to already anticipate hmm. what moves you're going to make depending upon what they make at full speed, to finish through contact, know where to place the ball on the backboard, to get it to backspin and to score the ball, you got the nerve to tell me that that black boy ain't no genius? Get out of here. To be able to read the the defense, and based on the moves that they make, you got you got audibles that you finna create on the spare of a dime in a timeline to win. And the world want me to think that that black boy ain't no genius? You're absolutely ridiculous. What I would tell, what I would tell you right now in sports, do the same thing I did. Watch film. Not to watch film to win the game. Watch film to understand human nature, habits of people. Understand that with everything has a cause and reaction. And so if I'm playing a game in the game of life, everything has a cause and reaction. If I'm scoring a ball, cash, cash, do you think that the coach and the player is going to let me get an easy shot again? No. no. I now have to expect that you're going to 
jump mm -hmm. because I hit two in a row. Now I got a pump fake sidestep, and then I got to shoot that. Now after I played that game, I have to expect that you're going to and then play that move. So now I got to make a move off the move. What does that teach me in business? That lets me know that once my moves get seen, now I need a counter move hmm. to the original move to know, to let you know I'm on top of whatever you're trying to defend me on. That's business. That's why I don't give all of my secrets. Because if I give you my secrets in a course or free game, now I got to create more audibles <laughs> to the original move yeah. that makes it harder for me to actually play the game. And so when, you, when you're an athlete, don't let these coaches and these athletic directors and these staff tell you to shut up and just hoop. You are a genius, black man. You are a genius, brown man. And what I want you to get from me is that the game that you're learning in basketball or football or in track, those are all transferable skills into the business or career world. You just got to figure out what you do best and get there. If you're a natural bread scorer, that means that you have a knack for the ball, putting the ball in the hole. You get fulfillment for scoring. So what does that mean? That means you need to be in industries that feed your ego based on you scoring the ball. What's scoring the ball in business? Commissions, sales. If you're great at facilitating, putting people in place, you are great at managerial skills, organizational skills. You're an engineer in your mind. You see problems on the court, and now you're able to kind of move people. Come on, dog. Don't let, if you're great at rebounding, guess what that means? That means you're great at supply chain. Mm. You can take a complaint from a customer and make sure that they get what they need. I know how to grab this ball and find the point guard. Everything that we learn on the court or on the field, Jay, is transferable to business if people really understood that true athletes, black and brown students, the best way you can learn business in life is in sports. The problem that we have is that parents and coaches don't know how to translate that into the real world. And I was just blessed that at Wiley College and HBCU, a year and a half that I spent there changed my life. If I did not go to Wiley College, I'm not the Jake that you see today. I can promise you that. Talk about the HBCU experience. We we we, we got it. We got we got to just lean in on that because I because one thing that I initially learned before choosing the college that I attended to go yep. I, I chose to go to which yep. was University of Texas at Tyler. UT Tyler. I later, I you was up the street. But I. Later, but we was right there. Why you didn't come knock on my I probably, door? I, pro I probably. When did you graduate? Around, well, I, I graduated what 20, 2011? I was 14. Oh, yeah, okay. we went up okay. the street. <laughs> we was around the corner. Yeah, 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 yeah. But what what I what I well what my previous understanding was before, right? Based on based on what I've learned just from around the way, wherever it, where it might have been, I learned it from was that the HBCU pales in comparison to the PWI. It depends on what you're looking for. Go deeper. What are you looking for? If you're looking for prestige, for sure. You're looking for resources, absolutely. But if you're talking about uh, uh, professors that understand the pain of a black student, mm. when you talk about professors that don't want you to just subjugate yourself to what the world wants you to subjugate yourself to as a black and brown student, no, there's no comparison. Bro, when I was at a PWI, they did everything for me. When I went to HBCU, because we were under-resourced, 
They was like, hey, dog, you, you, hey, you need to go <laughs> get handle that yourself. <laughs> what did that do? It taught me that in this world, I'm going to be under-resourced. Mm. People are going to look down on me. What do, bro, when I graduated from, uh, from Wiley College with a 3.9 GPA, starting at a PWI, when I first applied to Johns Hopkins, you know what they told me? Your, your credits are not coming from a school that we deem is strong enough of that have a strong enough curriculum for you to make a strong transition from your HBCU to our prestigious school, AKA Johns Hopkins. You know, this is a fact. Mm -hmm. They told me that I needed a, a medium, a, a medium, a medium school, a medium, a, a middle school, a transfer school wow. that I can go to a bigger PWI mm. so that I can get accepted to Johns Hopkins. So guess what I did? I went to Texas A&M Commerce. I got a 3.8 GPA in my first semester at uh, uh, Texas A&M Commerce. Y'all can look it up. The, the credits are still there. Call the school. Dr. Jake was there. And then I reapplied to Johns Hopkins, and they accepted me. Bro, it ain't the education. Hmm. It's, it's the environment. Bro, the, first of all, we got to understand what a bachelor's degree is supposed to be for. The bachelor's degree is not for a specialty of knowledge. The bachelor's degree is for analysis of, uh, so you can understand analysis, comprehension. You understand what research is. You know how to juggle uh, multiple different projects at one time and still get a result. Then it also means now you know how to juggle your work life, which is school, with your personal life, which is like fun and organizations and all of that, along with deductive reasoning, along with understanding consequential decision making. That's what your bachelor's degree for. The bachelor's degree, bro, they're taking a bunch of crazy people like all of us from different schools, different environments, different education systems and bringing everybody in the same class at the same time. It's to filter people out. Mm. The masters and the PhDs are for those who are specialists. Those are people that understand what they want to do. I changed my degree five times in undergrad. The average person changes it three times. So it ain't about that. It's about the basis of education at a higher level to let, uh, to let jobs know that you have the basic skill sets to be able to do the entry-level work. That's what it's for. And also for networking, social skills, improving that. And what I will tell you without a shadow of a doubt, if it were not for an HBCU, I wouldn't know what my leadership capabilities were. And I damn sure wouldn't have known, Jonathan, that my leadership capabilities were able to transfer from the court to the boardroom if it were not for me being at an HBCU that said, hey, we're under-resourced, people don't come here, you got to have more in your tool belt than just shooting a basketball. Mm. So, we, yeah, so PWIs, yeah, they give you the good life, but HBCUs show you your real life. Mm. And if you can thrive and you can succeed there and you can go and do amazing things, well, God daggone it, you're going to be something great. And I can tell you one thing, all of the greatest black people in the world that we know of, the majority of them came from an HBCU. Now, you do the math to that. You do the math. You can't say Robert F. Smith because he went to a PWI, sure, but he was funded a billion dollars 
to start his fund. He didn't start from scratch. He don't have the same respect I got for somebody that literally started from the ground up and grew and built something. The people that changed our culture came from HBCUs, big fella. Nothing else. Ain't nothing more to it. <sighs> All right. All right, there, there's a plug for the HBC. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so make sure. Sorry for my aggression, bro. No, no, it's good. I welcome it. Now, they better go ahead and take that clip and they better start showing that at when, when they raising their, yeah, you they know, better. doing the fundraisers. Yeah. Yeah, because they, hey. I, I, have, I have a different level of respect for HBCU, even though after the fact, you know, I went UT Tyler. Well, well we weren't exposed to it. We weren't really exposed to you. You get you get exposed to a PWI, and and bro, and, and as an athlete, the type of level of um, pacifying that you get as an athlete, it's not realistic to a black and brown person in this real world. Mm. Bro, when I tried to join organizations at Wayland Baptist University, you know what they told me? You're a hooper. You play basketball. You're good there. When I went to Wiley College, you know what they told me? You're only a hooper. You only play basketball. You're only good there. You see the difference? That's the difference, bro. That's the absolute difference. And when I talk about if I want to go pro, I'll go to a PWI. I mean, it makes sense. You get more spotlight. Mm -hmm. There's more dollars to put you on ESPN. Cool. But if I want to change my life and become somebody of value, I'm going to HBCU. And if you are as good as you say that you are, you can still go to HBCU, kill a game, and still make it to the league if you really built like that. That's very true. That's very true. All right, so talking about shifting and, and, and changing changing our dynamic and changing our lives. So yeah. you go from you go from teaching, yeah. right? Teaching, uh, you know, doing 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 the Lord's work, you know, with 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 the kids. I don't they, know they, if it's the Lord's them. work. <laughs> <laughs> so you go from teaching, pouring into the youth. Yeah. Right. We'll go with that. Pouring okay. into the youth. And then as 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 we matriculate through, I know that's I know that's one of your favorite words. That's my favorite yeah, word. They don't like when word. I say matriculate because black folks don't know the they word. They don't understand it. They don't yeah, want the you definition. Gotta understand what, what's, what's, the, what's the definition? So when we talk about matriculate, it's to enter into, it's to get enrolled into, yeah. it's to journey through. So when we're matriculating through something, yeah. that means I am journeying through. I'm enrolling through. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so as you as you matriculate through, right, yeah. and then. <laughs> the part about like for 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 me and, and what I really uh, saw and I was like this really like blew my mind with, with you was the part about the I guess I want to say financial literacy yeah right in the in in the the private banking aspect yeah talk to that man I for for one I I never heard of it I never heard I of it you. until you know until seeing you so but. so can I talk my shit first or you want me to just go do and do, just... do do your thing man do your thing well nobody in the black community for real was talking about private banking infinite banking being your own bank insurance banking before Dr J Taylor Jacobs let's be clear let's be clear about that that's documented from 2017 when I first posted on social media on Facebook my personal social all the way to when I came on the internet and I started talking about it. And the premise of it is that most of, most of them have no idea what private banking is. People thought that I was talking about private banking from an insurance perspective. That's just the first layer. 
Private banking is insulating yourself in such a way that you can speak how you feel and your vantage point without feeling like your money will be affected by anybody else mm. because you need somebody else to pay you to take care of your life. Private banking is the ability to be able to walk throughout this world and understand that your family and your best friends are taken care of because of the decision that you made. Private banking is the understanding that I am not depending on man's system, but God's system. Scripture says to be in the world, but not of the world. Scripture tells us that to be the, bar the lender, not the borrower, because the borrower is always slave to the lender. So if I'm talking about the premise of what private banking is, the true premise of private banking is peace. You're living in your Sabbath every day. The true understanding of private banking is understanding that no one can define what your independence is until you decide that you want to be independent. It ain't just about the insurance. I can teach somebody how to be private, uh, their own private bank with just a business, no insurance. I can teach somebody how to be a private bank with insurance, no business. It's, it's the concept of becoming private, building a family that matters because whether you want to believe it or not, Jay, families run society, not businesses. And we talk about private banking. We got books on that. <laughs> An actual curriculum that we wrote here of exactly what to do because this is what I built for my family. See, private banking helped us build a $28.8 million conglomerate debt-free. Private banking is what retired my family. Private banking is what uh, uh, allowed for me to be able to build companies with my best friends. See, a lot of people be like, you can't build with your best friends and family. I say, why not? <laughs> private banking allows that. So if someone's an athlete, the goal is to become independent, not to stay dependent mm. or intradependent. The goal is to be independent. I want to build my businesses. I want to build my name. I want to build my brand so big that I'm not dependent upon your dollar of you endorsing me to take care of my family and my friends. And if I'm living in a world where I can't speak how I speak because I'm scared because a brand won't endorse me or, or this company won't endorse me or these people won't bring me to their conference, that is not private banking, my dear friend. Hmm. It's not private banking. And matter of fact, for those that are Christians, you are not living based on the word of what Jesus said. The red letters, Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> you know what Jesus said? He said to his half-brothers, people don't want to go on that, we ain't going to get real spiritual on here, but he said to his half-brothers who are older, I'll let everybody else do the math on that. He said, I do not come to be a public figure. It is always good enough for y'all to be public figures. What I came, I came to put mothers against daughters, fathers against sons. He was creating division with truth. Hmm. And when you're speaking a truth, it is controversial. People don't like it. It makes them feel uncomfortable. They wish they think and say it another way. But the truth or the facts are the facts. And how you feel about the facts or how you feel about the facts. But true independence and being a private bank is for you to be able to stand on your truth and the facts and say, this is what happened. And you're not scared about your income being affected because you're speaking your truth and you're speaking the facts of what happened. That's what private banking truly is about, Jay. Mm. That's what so many people miss. And I know a lot of them took my course and then they created their own program from it. We know they uh, burn their names, too. 
<laughs> because when people take our programs and our courses, we also can see IP addresses. Yeah. <laughs> All the receipts, huh? Yeah. From every angle. Yeah. Oh, man. Wow. How do you run a business if you don't monitor and, and create metrics for everything? Talk about we we are we already leaning in we already leaning in go 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 ahead talk about it. you're not a, you're not ready to be a CEO yet Iggy he already leaning in go ahead go ahead talk about it how how not talk, ready to be a CEO talk, yet talk, talk about it talk about it so when it comes to running a business most people are not ready to be a CEO yet because we think that being a CEO is about a title being a CEO is not about a title it's about a responsibility and title and responsibility are two different things Jay. If I talk about the responsibility of being a CEO, the responsibility of being a CEO is that when I have people come and work with me, for me, beside me, they're literally pacing their dreams of their life with me. So when Iggy decided to let go of his full-fledged marketing firm that was killing it to come work with this company, this is my best friend since 2015. When he said no to running his company to come work here, Every decision I make affects his end goal. Mm. Every, when I told Amir, when he came in, he, he said he's a superstar fine. He can find superstars. Amir's the first person that ever told me that. Mogul was the first person that ever told me I could be a superstar. I had no idea I had it in me. And I told him, I said, I ain't paying you for six months, despite what you told me. You ain't, your ass ain't getting paid. You're going to have to prove whatever this superstar <laughs> shit you talking about. You have to prove it, big fella. And if I am who you say that I am and I become who you say that I, I'm going to become, I'm going to train you to replace me in the company. He, right now, he's in his three-year training period to replace me to be CEO of our consulting side of the company. Now, what I said that to say this, when he decided to put his entire uh, media business into this company, every decision I make affects him. So when you think about the responsibility of a CEO, it actually is biblical. Scripture says the greatest among you will be a servant of all. So in order for me to serve, I must also know what your visions and your dreams are to help you get where you need to be. Because in order to get y'all to where y'all need to be, I will end up where I need to be. But most people on the Internet, being a CEO and a boss, is getting to where I need to be and everybody else are slaves. This is exactly why I say that these new black and brown entrepreneurs, if you're not careful, most of them are becoming to be worse than our actual slave masters. They pay you under what you want to be paid. They're the new slave masters. Mm -hmm. I pay you less than what you're worth, under what you value, with the, with the perception telling you I don't have any money while I'm on a jet, I'm on vacations, and you slaving for me, I'm paying you less than your value, and I'm making you feel worse than what you are. You're not a CEO yet until you realize that see, being a CEO is servitude. That's the moment you let go of just me, and now you start saying we. Collectively, you're now the representation of a company of people that you represent that represent their families. And this is why so many people don't want to work for companies. Can I tell you something, Jay? Talk to Most me. people actually want to work with a group. People like consistent income. But what people want to know is that, is my consistent income limited? Can I grow to what I want to become? Can I be who I want to be? Is the development there? And is your ego gone long enough? Is your ego gone long enough that if I do surpass you, will you pass the baton? Mm. 
And if people really understood that, a lot of people will realize that extremely talented black, white, and Puerto Rican, Asian, Hispanic people would love to come and work with you if they knew that those things that I just mentioned was not was a part of the list and the ego was gone. I can be replaced at any time, the moment that any one of my teammates, not my employees, we're teammates, can be better than me in all the areas that I'm great at for this company. I will remove. It ain't nepotism. My children don't get first rights. The best person gets first rights. You know what that tells him and his son and him and his daughter? That if my daughter or me are better for the position, we will be in position. How can you build something great when you're the only one that's great about it? So when I say you're not a CEO, it's because it's the premise of God-like understanding. God moves through people to get a job done. Jonathan, I can't reach that executive Bible. Can you pass it to me? Did I move? Not at all. But the work got done, right? That's right. Ah. <laughs> you know what most CEOs did? I passed myself this. I'm self-made. I wrote the book. I passed myself the book. Or I can say, if it wasn't for Jonathan passing me this book, I wouldn't be able to talk about this book in front of you right now. What would that make you feel if you were working on my team? I feel acknowledged. Ah. Then if I say, hey, any intellectual property you create with my brand and my company, you own it and we participate as co-owners with what you created, what would you then say? Let's do it. Oh. If I say every, every, every podcast that you put in place, you get a piece of every podcast past what I paid you to do the job. How, how often would you do the podcast? Every day. That's what being a CEO means. It's understanding that people are giving you their best and they expect for you to do the same. And most of us are not CEOs yet until we can recognize and understand that this is the people business that we're in. And the more you take care of your people, the longer your people will take care of you. And yes, I take less money up front, but in the end, my children will forever be taken care of. Because my team that's around me, they all been with me nearly a decade. You think any of them gonna let any of my children starve, bro? Absolutely not. When I die, 100% of my death benefit goes to the company. My trust owns pieces of the company, fine. But 100% of my death benefit goes toward this entity that I'm building. You know how much more confident my team feel to know that if I die, they can, if, they, if nobody can replace me, they can go and find the best CEO and pay them what they deserve mm. because my death benefit goes to keep the company moving forward. That's why I tell people you're not a CEO yet. You're not a CEO until you can see the business pass where you are and pass you being the face of it. Talk about that part, about, about not being the face and, and understanding. Because I think so often... We want the notoriety, right? Mm -hmm. We want to be the face, even though we might not be the best for the position. Like, we want to be the CEO. It was our idea. It was our, it was our business. We started it. Talk, talk about, just, 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 just go, go like a little bit deeper on that, because I, I just want to hear your perspective on that. Like, if you just need to know when to step down, step aside, move out the way, pass the business on. Um, a lot of people, a lot of people struggle 
um, with one simple thing, Jay. They struggle with identity. If I don't know who I am and whose I am, I don't, I don't know my place in life. So if I don't know my place in life, I think my place in life is a title that I gave myself. I think it's the title that was bestowed upon me. Manager, director, executive, CEO. It's, it's in the name. But if I understand the importance of responsibility of a name, responsibility of a title, and that my name and my value is not placed in my job that I'm positioning at the time, and that my true value is in the betterment of the people that I'm serving, it's easy for me to be able to see when I'm not capable of doing it anymore and why I need to move on. And see, when it comes to that piece, right, knowing when to move on, a lot of us struggle, when I say when identity, a lot of us struggle because we think that identity is in a position or in a title. And my team know right now, there's nothing I ask any of them to do that I wouldn't do myself. And if they don't, if they don't do it quick enough, I'll do it myself. <laughs> Just to show them that I'm not scared to pull up my sleeve. I literally had a conversation with Mogul today. If you're overwhelmed, tell me and I will help you do the job that you're supposed to do. I will help you do that job mm -hmm. because I'm not stuck in my title. I'm stuck in the responsibility of what it takes to uphold that title. Mm -hmm. It goes back to the story of David. David was told at the age of 12 to 13 that he was going to be a king, yes? Mm -hmm. He didn't become a king to what? His 30s. So that means 20, some even say even 30 years, he went without ever being able to sit in the same seat that was once told to him that he would sit in. What did that mean? That meant that God was putting him on a journey to learn different skill sets, to learn different abilities for him to become known as a winner. And because I'm known as a winner in every aspect of my life, me being a CEO doesn't determine I'm a winner. My track record of winning determines I'm a winner. <laughs> I was a winner on the court. I was a winner as a student. I was a winner in insurance. I was a winner in leading organizations. I was the rock in the brain of my line pledging Omega Sapphire. I was the chapter president. I was the I'm the best child that any of my parents have. These are all facts. So my winning is not based on being a CEO. Because I am a winner, I want the best person in the seat that can make sure we win. Mm. I'm more like Dwayne Wade. If I ever find a LeBron James, I'm moving the hell out the way. Or I would train the next LeBron to replace me. Because I don't have the energy that I had when I was in my 20s. I don't have, I don't have the longevity that I had. I don't have the same inspirations that I've had. So I need a new CEO that has that, and I would train them to get there, and then they typically got four to five years before it ends. This is why if you study history, you can catch your future. Most historic companies that have lasted over 100 years after their first founding president or CEO, they replace CEOs every four to five years. It's 
just what it is. So because I understand that, I know that I can't always be the face. People get tired of seeing the same face. Mm. People want to see a new face. So I read the algorithms, and when people are tired of my face, I introduce a new one, I let people know that's going, and then it, they'll be the placement. Right now, he's set to be next. But if he fuck up and somebody else come up to show that they ready, he know the best man or woman wins. Because it's more than just me, bro. I'm going to be dead. That's the thing most of us don't want to recognize. We're going to die. That's why I get sad listening to, like, Jodeci. <laughs> I get sad listening to goddamn uh, uh, Johnny Taylor and Coco Taylor. Because at one point in time, they used to be the man and woman. Now today, they're, they're relics. So I acknowledge what is going to be a fact. One day I'm going to be a relic. So while I'm in the best of my state, why not build other people on the best of what I have? So that my legacy will never be relic-like. But I will be relic. But our income and our wealth and our assets will always be ascending to the next talent because we're willing to push that up. Man. Well... I want to. I want to. I want to thank you for, for taking the time today to you know to, to, to educate us, to, to share with us some receipts, share with us just some 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 inspiration, and share with us you know your track record and everything like that. But before before I let you go, I always, yeah. I always got I always like to close it out like this. Uh, but for, well, first tell everybody where they can you know find you, follow you, and how they can you know t- take advantage of the resources that, that you have you know with, with your books and your curriculum and okay. everything like that. Okay, so you can follow me on all social media from bizcocapital.co. I'm not giving you my personal because I need you to follow the company stuff. Bizcocapital.co. B-I-Z-C-O, capital.co on all on, on websites and bizcocapital on IG. You'll be able to follow everybody and everything that we do. From there, we own tech companies, insurance agencies. Everything you need, you'll be able to find it there. Um, And on top of that, I just want you to know one thing, that you are more than just a ball. The question is, do you know it? Well, that's it. I was gonna ask you. I was gonna ask you to give one word to, to the student athlete, but you already you was ahead of me. You was already. You know, ahead I play ball. You know, yeah. I know what you're gonna ask. So I'm gonna answer. <laughs> so you ain't gotta waste no breath. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to preserve your oxygen. I appreciate that. I appreciate that, man. Well, we're 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 we're, we're closing out on, on Beyond the Ball with Jonathan Jones and with the legendary Dr. Jake Taylor Jacobs, man. We appreciate you. Appreciate it, man. Salute.